Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast. I've been fighting off kind of a bad cold for the past couple of days and everything, so uh, I'm not sure how good this one's going to come out. Uh, I'll try my best though, but uh, don't really have anything extra this week. I'm pretty sure I got all the news, and I think I got all the Q&As together, but if I missed somebody's question, I'm really sorry. Just send it again and I'll get to it next week. But let's just jump right into it and uh, cross your fingers. Hopefully it's not too terrible. Okay, first up, Smoke Monster just updated a bunch of his ROM packs, so all the Sega ones, Master System, Genesis, and Game Gear, as well as the full um, EverDrive N8, so the Nintendo Famicom ones, um, and the Super Nintendo one as well. So uh, if you guys uh, have any ROM carts, or any of those ROM carts, definitely pick up that ROM pack, and I still don't really know what uh, the rules are for linking in YouTube, so just Google Smoke Monster ROM Set, and you'll find what you need pretty much right away. You have to subscribe to a forum to get the links, but it's totally free, so no big deal. Next up, I recently talked to Michael from Badass Consoles for quite a while about his products and about some of the delays, so I want to skip to the end and give you the update and then kind of talk a little bit about what happened. But basically, he finally got the flex cables in so that there's enough flex cables to fill all of the orders. Um, He's going to start testing. He probably should have been testing by the time this podcast airs. And as long as everything um, seems the way or works the way it should, which so far so good, um, all of the PCB onlys will ship this week and he'll start contacting people next week to send your consoles in. So, but I want to make sure I'm very clear about that. Definitely don't send him a million emails saying, can I send you my uh, console? Because it'll just slow him down. Um, He'll contact you if you were one of the people that uh, did the pre-order. So, and when, uh, I think he's going to try to do 10 a day, which is actually quite a lot, to be honest with you. Um, So then he'll contact you, you guys send the consoles in, and he'll do it that way. But he should be able to get through all of them fairly quickly, all things considered. Um, And also, the reason that he wouldn't ship them without the flex cable before is because you would have to solder directly to a bunch of very fine parts. And there's a bunch of us that could definitely do it. I don't think I'm one of them, and if I did, it would take forever. It would take me hours to just painstakingly do it. Because when, whenever you have wires that close together, I mean, as soon as you get heat near one, it te- the other tends to pop off. Now, I'm sure all the experts are laughing at me, and you know, I'm sure they have good ways of doing it, but it's just, it's not for beginner or intermediate. It's for expert only. Whereas when you have a flex cable, um, I put a piece of uh, non-conductive tape down to hold the flex cable in place while I do it. Um, I think Jason from Game Tech, he puts a little dab of glue underneath, sticks it in, and then that holds it in place that way. Not glue on the solder joints, just glue to hold the cable so it doesn't move. So flex cables are very expensive, but they make installation so much easier. Um, 
And kind of the backstory on why it's been delayed so often is, uh, I think people have talked about it before, I think I have as well, so I'll just make it pretty quick, but every there are a lot of steps in the process to get the GameCube video product here today, and the, he hit delays on every step, but a lot of these steps, everything else, we're waiting on it. So, you know, step one gets delayed, you can't skip to step two, you have to wait till that's finished, and there were just tons of little bumps in the road all the way down. And the biggest one was the flex cable. He had so many issues. Um, and then he had issues where uh, everything looked fine on a sample and then they came in and they were bad. And that's actually very, very common. Um, when I was working for that company that manufactured computers, we ordered, uh, I think, 100 internal power supplies. Tested them all. They were awesome. Really great parts in them. Everything was fine. The first batch of uh, 10,000 came in. We had about 2,500 computers assembled. Then we found out that there was a bug. They switched components around, and you could only you would only find it out in one certain scenario. So we had to recall 2,500 computers. So I feel his pain. I understand how awful that is, and it's just you know there's it's really hard. There's no way to tell. You know, you get your sample from the factory. It's and it's good. You go ahead and place that order, and luckily he was able to test them before they went out to people. Because, I mean, a lot of people were pissed at the delay, but look at the other side of it. If he had installed a couple hundred of these things just to find out they were bad after, that would be really, really horrible. Whereas now, what's the worst that we all had happen? We get some delays. So, unfortunately, the worst for him is I think he lost a ton of money on this going back and forth. I think he still has to fight uh, the first company. But if you take a look at the picture, um, I've had it up for a while now, but the black flex cable is the newer one, and the lighter flex cable is the older one. And um, it's hard to tell from the picture, but it's uh, even things like if you see on the, the very top, the, the center's cut out of the black one. Um, and that it wasn't cut out on the other ones, even though that was something he specified. So we'd have to go in with an exacto knife on each one and, and hope they came out perfect. So that was kind of bullshit uh, on their part, not on his. Um, so it looks like he's back and ready to go. Um, he should have official announcements up. Um, a few people on the forums have been complaining that they can't get a hold of him, but. Um, you know, within a few days, he's always answered my emails back and everybody I know, so I don't really know what the deal is. I know a lot of people would have preferred, like, a weekly update, but, I mean, how often are you going to post still waiting on the flex cables once a week? You know, it's just people don't want to hear that. They want answers, and he didn't have any. He was still waiting on them. So I guess it's kind of tricky, but as soon as I get mine in, I'll do a full review. Um, he's got a bunch of cool follow-up products that once this kind of... Uh, once this slows down, he's able to fulfill all the orders and kind of get a good stream, um, you know, stream of influx coming. So regular consoles coming in, the next products will come out. Um, and hopefully I'll just get him back on the podcast, uh, once everything's slowed down and talk about what's coming next. So I know that was kind of long. I probably should have stuck it at the end and not all the way at the beginning, but, um, I just wanted to give everybody a full idea of what was happening with him and just, you know, within a few weeks, everything, unless another major disaster happens, which it's looking like, no, like everything's fine. Um, you should be getting your emails within a few weeks, and anybody who wanted their console modded uh, should be able to send it in soon. Next, the Behar brothers posted another video about their consoleized Game Gear project, and it looks like it's using Tim's Game Gear kit, so it'll output true RGB from it. 
Um, and of course, it'll output in the Game Gear's original resolution, so even on an RGB monitor, you'll get the borders. Um, if you're using a FrameMeister, though, you could use Firebrand X's profiles, and it will fill the screen top to bottom. Uh, and it looks awesome. I really hope I get one in for testing. Um, I think it's going to be a limited run only. And I believe they said they're also looking to do other things like that in limited runs in the future, possibly a consoleized MVS, things like that. So I'm really looking forward to checking it out and seeing what they do. And I think they said they're also making progress on shipping the Acura, the DC, uh, Dreamcast HDMI box. I think uh, they're waiting for parts, and that's a few weeks away. So uh, hopefully I got that right and the cold medicine isn't messing with my head. <laughs> but uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing it because uh, I did love the Game Gear, and the, on the only thing I don't like about it these days is the awful screen. So any way to play it on a big screen is really cool. Next up, somebody's working on a project called Mortal Kombat 2 Plus, which is basically an expanded version on the original Mortal Kombat game. Smoke Monster actually pointed me to this one, and once I saw it, I was really intrigued, because it's not just a ROM hack. You'll be able to play it on an actual Mortal Kombat 2 machine. All you have to do is burn the software to the chips and then replace some of the chips on the board. So uh, Mortal Kombat 1 and 2 are my favorite of the genre and probably my favorite fighting games of all time. And someday I really will get another Mortal Kombat machine and have both of them in it. And when I do, I without a doubt will want this version of it on the MK2 board. I believe it also will allow you to switch back to the original, uh, I think on boot or in the menus or something, which is great. That way you don't have to have two full MK2 boards in it. You could just use these chips. But because it's not emulation, it'll be zero lag. So it really will be the original, just a little bit enhanced. Um, and of course, you could still play it through MAME and everything like that. But uh, I already donated to the project. I'm a huge fan, and I will be following it closely. And uh, hopefully, uh, eventually, I'll have another MK machine that I'll be able to demo it on. I already had a few friends um, uh, donate their basement space in case I want to buy one and stick it there. So we'll see. Maybe that'll happen soon. Next, the team behind the Raspberry Pis has just released the Compute Module 3, which is basically a mini Raspberry Pi on something that's about the size of a notebook memory stick. And this is really for industrial applications where people are designing their own boards and their own, their own hardware, and then they need a computer to run it. So stuff like this, the first thing that popped into my mind were some of those Pi to JAMA boards that people have been working on. So instead of getting a Raspberry Pi, you'd stick one of these in, I guess. But um, I just figured I'd mention it, because anybody working on hardware projects, this might be a big uh, space saving. But overall, you might end up just being better using a regular Raspberry Pi. But I thought it was neat and something I'd like to share. And speaking of Raspberry Pi, Daryl sent in a great tip about a website called RGB Pi. So it's rgb-pi.com. And it seems like a, a small group of people that are working to do a very similar thing as to others. And they basically just have an old IDE cable that uh, plugs directly into the I.O. port of the Raspberry Pi. And the other side of the cable is a SCART head. And inside the SCART head is a PCB that does the, the full transition over to RGBS. Um, so that alone I thought was really cool and in itself uh, I think a great solution. Um, now that would make three total solutions like this that are available for SCART and each one are slightly different and would really work best in completely different scenarios. So I still, maybe maybe the people who sell them would disagree, but I don't think they're competitors to each other. I think they're each uh, great additions to and, and add more choices for what people would need. But he's also working on the software side of things, which is an image customized directly for this. 
and he's looking to get pixel perfect resolution. So I know a bunch of teams working on it, but he's made a lot of great progress. Um, and the eventual goal would be to, when you start a game, the uh, the actual Pi outputs the exact resolution and refresh rate of that game. And some of the biggest differences, not just uh, Tate versus regular, but things like um, Mortal Kombat, actually, or any of the games by Midway in that era, like NBA Jam, ran off of a slightly different refresh rate and resolution. And, you know, older games like, uh, you know, Miss Pac-Man, even though that is Tate, you know, that's something completely different. So um, I've been testing a few of them, and uh, it seems pretty cool, but uh, I think all of these solutions, the software is a few months away from being perfect, but it's without a doubt, in my opinion, good enough for now. So if anybody's interested, check out rgb-pi.com. I ordered uh, a cable, and it should be in. Actually, both that one and the solution from ArcadeForge should be in within a week or so, Um, and hopefully I'll be able to do an updated Raspberry Pi video that, uh, that includes both of those. So a cool update, and check it out if you're interested. There's a small update to the Wii HDMI project. It looks like Citrus 3000 PSI got his uh, circuit board and flex cable in, and both seemed okay, but he just wanted to increase the size of the ground pads. So it looks like he's going to have to wait for one more revision of those to come in before testing any further, but it's looking great. So um, hopefully if these go up for sale, I'll be able to get one in pretty quickly. And I'd also love to be able to test the different revisions of Wii on this and see if this would make a difference in output quality, like the stock analog output of certain Wiis. Um, I'll put that link in the description as well for anybody that wants to check it out. But it's actually, it's a small difference, but it is noticeable if you're using a good display. So uh, if anybody has any thoughts on that, definitely chime in in the comments. Next up is kind of a neat find from the guys at HD Retrovision. They were able to use a Game Genie to force 480i output from some Genesis and Super Nintendo games. So, this is something that's just fun to play with. I'm not sure I'd ever recommend using 480i as opposed to 240p. Uh, But it definitely leads to different questions about what you could do with the Genesis video outputs and, and things like that. So, I thought it was a really cool exercise on hacking ROMs and things like that. Um, and I would definitely recommend checking it out. I think they also are going to have a Twitch stream this Saturday night um, that kind of displays some of the games in 480i so you could see what they look like. Uh, and also an update to their B-stock cables. Um, so these aren't cables ready to go. They're you know cables sitting in a pile that need to be individually tested and checked out and repaired and stuff. So there's uh, that's not something that's going to happen soon. But I guess it will happen, so um, you'll be able to get discounted B-stock cables eventually from them. And as soon as they go on sale or there's any notice at all, I'll definitely let everybody know because I know a bunch of people were waiting on those for their projects, so uh, I'll keep everybody posted. Chris Covell just stumbled across some early footage of the Bonk games back when they were in pre-release stage. And while I don't think there's a ROM, I think there's just game footage he found online and some screenshots, it's still really neat to see how games progress from their alpha stage all the way to finished. So I just figured I'd mention it and show the picture just because it's a a neat thing and uh, I always really just enjoy seeing how things have progressed. There's another update to the Verisness, the FPGA-based Super Nintendo. Um, I guess the creator it has gotten high-resolution modes working, uh, and he had a few other of the background modes as well. So another cool video up there for anybody that wants to check it out, and I'm really glad he's still punching away and making good progress on it. 
It looks like IGN has just posted confirmed specs from the upcoming Zelda game and the differences between the Wii U and the Switch version. So both launch on the same day, March 3rd. Uh, both have a frame rate of 30 frames per second. Boo! Um, both versions of the game offer the same content. On a TV, the Nintendo Switch version renders in 900p, while the Wii U version renders in 720p. Okay, a brand new system in 2017 can't even do 1080p on their flagship launch game. Alright, uh, the Nintendo Switch version has higher quality environmental sounds. As a result, the sounds of steps, water, grass, etc. are more realistic and enhance the game's open air feel. Uh, the physical copy of the Wii U version will require 3 gigabytes of available memory on the Wii U system or an external drive. Uh, so they obviously have a lot of high-speed content that isn't fast enough to read off the disc. Um, some icons, such as on-screen buttons, differ between the two, and a special edition and master edition of the Wii U version are not available. So, uh, yeah, it's not getting me excited at all. Um, you know, uh, Nintendo has proven time after time that specs don't mean anything. It's how good the game is. But that being said, it's 2017 and it's a brand new console and you can't even get a 1080p 60 frame per second game running. That's pretty sad. Um, and that also brings up, you know, we're, we're going to start to need better upscalers for 4K pretty soon. Um, and so if you have a Wii U, should you be running all Wii U games at 720p and then using another upscaler to go to 4K if you have a 4K TV? Because I believe a lot of those games rendered in 720 and were just stretched. So, anybody have any thoughts on that? I know it's probably opening up a can of worms, but any basic thoughts on that, stick them in the comments. And I'll have um, I'll have somebody on in the next coming months to talk about that. Uh, we'll have upscaling experts, because that's going to start to be a real problem for a lot of us. Because, you know, a, while, I mean, a couple of years ago, 4K TVs were for you know rich people only. But if you look around now, they're pretty much the cheaper ones are the same price as 1080p. So why wouldn't you get one, you know? Um, so yeah, interesting and disappointing from Nintendo. Nintendo just confirmed that the Zelda game Breath of the Wild will be the last first-party game produced for the Wii U. So I guess they really are killing this thing altogether. Which, maybe that's a good thing, maybe they're just pumping all their resources into their new console, but, you know, it would have been nice if people who spent all that money on the Wii U could have gotten some more future support for it. Um, and also, uh, Nintendo just did an interview with Kotaku that was one of the most boring interviews I've ever read in my life, and it was so bad, I, I, you guys have to check it out. It's one of those, like, if you ever smell something so bad, you have to call one of your buddies in to smell it too. It's just every every one of their answers, no comment at this time, no comment at this time. So why why even do the interview? Why bother? I don't I don't get it. But uh, I mean they they would confirm nothing and a lot of good questions that people really wanted to know. Like what about all the content we bought on the Wii U? Are you just gonna say just like Sony and Microsoft did? Too bad if you want to play it, play it on the Wii U. Or are you gonna offer some kind of upgrade where you pay to upgrade? Uh, zero info on any of those questions. So I guess we got to wait like another month and a half or something. So I'll uh, I'll update anybody on any more real news. But I'm probably going to try to cut out as much of the Switch stuff until it's released, unless it's actual real stuff from Nintendo and not speculation or another awful interview where they don't, uh, they don't answer anything. Somebody on the Planet Virtual Boy forums just posted a free download of a 3D printed stand clip for the Virtual Boy. 
I guess he uh, his broke and uh, he couldn't really find parts anywhere, and the parts he did find were probably really expensive. So he just did a 3D model on by himself, drew up a CAD drawing for it, and he had it printed from one of the services. But uh, I, I love stuff like this, and I love that people are sharing it with the community because um, most of us don't have CAD skills, but most of us could download a file, upload it to a 3D printer, and, and go from there, or, or even one of the services that prints it for you. So, very cool, and uh, thanks to him for sharing with everybody, and I hope we see a lot more neat things like that. Simius, the creator of the Atari 5200 RGB mod, is now sending out emails to people on the pre-order list for PayPal payment. Um, I was able to get one, and thanks to Doug, I was actually able to buy a reasonably priced Atari 5200. So, as soon as it comes in, I'll do a full write-up of it. And if uh, I think there's still time to get on the list if you guys are interested. But this is kind of going to be neat for me, because I get to experience a system all for the first time. Um, I have never really used it at all. I've never played the games. I'm fully expecting to be completely underwhelmed by all of it. But it's still going to be fun and exciting. So, if you guys have one... Uh, definitely check it out. Uh, have a 5200. Definitely check out the link and uh, put yourself on the pre-order list because it was reasonably priced. I think it was 70, including shipping. Um, so it seems very worth it for a console that could, by default, only do RF. The Retrode plug-in packs are back in stock. So the Retrode is that device that allows you to plug Genesis and Super Nintendo games directly into a PC, which allows you to either play them, uh, play emulators with the original carts, or to rip your actual games to ROMs, your games and your save files, which is comes in handy. Um, the plug-in packs that are back in stock are for the Game Boy, Master System, and N64, so it allows you to transfer those games as well. Um, and I'm not sure if this is a device for everybody, but it seems like if you want to rip your own ROMs, or if for some crazy reason you wanted to use your original um, cartridges on an emulator, this seems like the most cost-effective way to do it. So uh, thanks to Owen Phoenix for the tip, and uh, I'll leave the link in the description for people interested. And lastly, Woozle just sent me an email updating me on the status of his different projects, so I figured I would just pass it along to you guys. Um, his Game Boy Advance TV Out projects are still in the works. The full version is uh, definitely at least a few months away. Um, he still has a lot of work to do on that. But the HDMI Lite version, so it's only HDMI out, it's only 720p, and audio isn't integrated in, um, you just have to use the analog out of your GBA. Um, that's progressing really nicely, and that should be done fairly soon. Um, he said that previously the, it would start tearing, screen tearing after about 20 minutes, but now he has no te uh, tearing even after 5 hours. He said he accomplished this by re overclocking the Game Boy Advance to match the 60Hz HDMI standard. So I'm really looking forward to testing it myself to seeing you know exactly how this works and you know if I would even tell a difference, but... I would take a slightly, just a hair sped up game if it meant smooth video scrolling. So um, I guess we'll see when we get it. Also, he said one of the biggest bumps in the road of the full version of the kit is the audio. Uh, I guess you can't tap Game Boy Advance audio fully digitally. Um, so he was looking to either uh, find a different way around it or implement maybe a filter. Um, I know Super G had implemented a low pass audio filter in his G-SCART switch which really helped a lot for people who had cables with buzzing on it. So uh, if anybody has any ideas or, or feels like they could help in any way, please definitely post in the comments or just contact me directly and I'll pass your email address along. 
Um, and the very final thing is his SNES HDMI project. This is the analog to digital project. Seems to me moving along. And he even received help from the guy working on the Vera SNES project, the FPGA SNES. And he said he was able to solve a bunch of uh, sync signal strength issues. Um, and he could now this control the SNES clock speed and will be able, hopefully able to re-clock it to match HDMI. So still no huge milestones on SNES. It's far from completion, but it's definitely in progress. So, um, you know, I guess that was a really long way of saying everything's in progress. Okay, now on to the Q&A stuff. SNB Films asked, um, in the video last week I was talking about native resolutions for the Switch. Uh, I was actually talking about that this week too. And he said, wouldn't a 720p image be ideal for 4K sets as it's just four times the resolution? I don't, um, and then he, he was curious how a 900p game is going to be handled even when on 1080p. So um, the good thing about 4K is 720p is uh, multiplied three times is 4K, and 1080p multiplied twice is 4K. So buying an upscaler that does a good job um, doing that should be cheaper now than it would be to do something like 480p because that doesn't do an integer scale into it. Um, I don't know of anything yet that's good at it, and people have been reporting that the upscalers built into TV, 4K TVs are terrible at it. So um, as long as we could find a, an affordable upscaler to do that with uh, almost no lag, it should be fine. But um, I don't understand myself how a 900p game is going to be handled on either. Um, I don't know enough about uh, how that works you know, when you're rendering video games. Um, doesn't that itself add lag if you render in 900p and then output to 1080p? Uh, so I don't really know if anybody in the comments um, uh, would post in the comments if they know exactly how that's handled, especially if there's any game designers here. Um, but yeah, that's a great question. I really have no idea. Next, Ricardo Torres posted in regards to the Casio Elixim slow motion camera that I was talking about last week. Um, he said he has one and that he's also used it in the slow motion modes. Um, 480 frames per second at 224 by 160 and 1000 frames per second at 224 by 64. So those are really low resolutions, but it should be good enough for testing absolutely every ounce of lag. Especially, you know, I, I can't imagine a 60 frame per second game at 1000 frames per second. That might, that might be overkill. I don't know. But, uh... He also said that there are two other models he confirms that does the same thing, so I'll just uh, kind of spit out all of them. It's the Casio Elixim EX-ZR100, same thing but dash 200, ZR200, 400, and then the Elixim EX-FH100. So that's the, Z the ZR100, 200, and 400, and the ex FH100. I'll do that. So I'll try to find one of those and get it into test. Um, I've heard a lot of people on the forums say, why would you need more than 120 frames per second slow-mo when it's a 60 frame per second game? I don't know. I just got a feeling like it'd be the more frames you have, the more accurate we could probably measure at. But maybe I'm dead wrong. I don't know. I guess we'll find out soon enough. My friend Kenji actually posted a pretty good question. Um, he said, why is the Super Nintendo FX chip so hard to emulate on a hardware basis? 
So um, that's actually a great question. And I reached out to BYUU, the creator of the Hygen emulator, um, and I never heard back from him. So if actually, if anybody has his contact info, if you could send it to me, that would be great because I kind of wanted to hear it right from somebody who has uh, emulated the chip. But it is my speculation, and I bet you all the software guys are going to be laughing at me now, that all of these chips are hard to emulate because there's no documentation on them. Um, Nintendo's not going to release the specs for the FX chip, so you have to reverse engineer them the best way that you can. Um, but, you know, as far as why they're not in the SD to SNES yet, it's just probably something that just takes a ton of time. But, yeah, I would like to hear it directly from one of the main guys himself. And I actually would love to interview him. So if anybody has BYUU's contact info, definitely let me know. Hopefully I can get him on to get a real answer to your question and not just me, you know, word-vomiting speculation. And lastly, a question, or a couple of questions from Vitor Dal Akoya. I'm so sorry, man. I'm terrible with all these. But his first question is, the Raspberry Pi is getting a few options to output using RGB SCART. So does it only output at 240p, or will it output at all the different MAME resolutions that the arcade games use? So um, that's a great question, and at the moment, if you just use that basic script that I've put up, it's basically just 240p, and you could kind of mess with it a little. But a few different people are working on pixel-perfect emulation of it. So you'll be able to eventually, someday, download uh, just an image file like you would now, load it onto your Raspberry Pi, use one of the hardware solutions, and be able to load up all the games, and almost all the games, I would think, in their true resolution and refresh rate. Um, it's just how exactly that's getting handled, how that's being programmed in. It's way more complicated than like on a Windows solution, where you could just write a tiny little script, like I did for my machine, that launches each game in a different uh, refresh rate and resolution. So it's still, there's progress, a lot of progress to be made on it, but uh, I'm pretty excited about that too, because as much as I'm not a fan of emulation, I love emulating arcade games, because there's no other option for me. You know, I certainly don't have the space or the money to buy my 50 games that I would play, but, um, so yeah, that's a, that was a good question. And also, um, he said, uh, he has a bunch of consoles RGB modded with EverDrives, but it takes up a whole room of his house. Um, and he's about to move. Do I suggest just using the same Raspberry Pi on a, you know, maybe like an RGB monitor to use all the consoles? Um, and I, my personal opinion is no, definitely not. So um, I would only use emulation in a case where there, there is no other option. So if you didn't own all these consoles, I would never tell somebody to go buy every console ever and RGB mod them just to have them. I would say buy your favorite. Maybe it's Nintendo, Atari, Super Nintendo, whatever. Um, but I would say buy your favorite, do whatever the, the appropriate mods are to get the best quality out of it. Um, definitely get some kind of CRT if you have the room for it. Um, and then use emulation to emulate all the things that you can't afford, don't really care about. You know, there's a lot of, of consoles that a lot of people would want to try the original games, but they don't want to spend hundreds and hundreds just to play one or two games. And that's when emulation, especially things like Virtual Console, if they're available on any of the newer things, I love emulation for that. But no, if you already own all of them, um, it's never going to be the same experience, even if you use something like a Bliss Box with the controller adapters. Because no matter what, when you're running emulation, you get about two frames of lag. There's a lot more in some cases if you have, you know, a Windows machine with a ton of stuff running on it. But in a stripped-down Linux environment, you should have only about two frames of lag, you know, on average. 
Um, but it's that's on a, a well-emulated system. So I could tell right away with some of these games, just like on the Retron 5, uh, you play some games and it's fine. The lag is good enough. You're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna pull your hair out. But there are some consoles that just they're not emulated well enough yet that you get, you know, a low lag solution, and it's something that you would immediately notice, especially if you own and play all the original consoles on a regular basis. So, um, you know, the Pi is awesome to play with, even now that it's still a work in progress. Um, and there's even another, uh, you could download from one website, a 64 gig image that already comes with a ton of stuff pre-configured with box art and everything else. Um, so if you want to have it like in your, if you want to have a second machine in your living room, you know, to kill time, play Tetris now and then or whatever, or just test out stuff, uh, the Pi is perfect. But if you want to sit down and actually game on your old consoles, um, I would guarantee that you would notice a difference pretty quickly going from original consoles to emulation. So I hope I didn't ramble too much about that. It's just something I feel really strongly about, because while emulation is absolutely vital to keep these things alive, um, I think hardware emulation, the FPGA stuff, is really the the best way to do it at the end of the day, because you'll be able to get as close to a true representation of the actual hardware. Um, and whereas the software emulation, it's still great, and we should still keep punching away at it, and it's amazingly helpful in a lot of scenarios. Um, I don't, I'm not sure it would ever be a true replacement for the original. So uh, I know a lot of people disagree with me on that. Um, I always welcome and appreciate opposing opinions. So uh, if you want to say, you know, fuck off, Bob, you're an idiot, that's fine. Just have your have an opinion to support it, and uh, I would love to debate it in the comments. So. Yeah, I probably talked too long about that one, but the cold medicine's kicking in even harder, so sorry. Well, that's it for this week. Hopefully everything came out okay and I wasn't incoherent or anything. I'm still a little out of it, so I can't really tell yet. But, uh, yeah, I'll definitely be back on my feet by next week, so uh, expect more content and, uh, you know, hopefully at least something else. But, um, yeah, uh, as always, any comments or criticism are greatly appreciated, so post down in the comments below if you feel like it. And uh, thanks again, and I will see you guys next week.